0: All right, joining us now, talking a little college football, Stuart Mandel, one of the best when it comes to covering the sport. Kind enough to join us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Stuart, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys? I'm doing well. Uh, I want to go to uh, a conversation, I I guess a text exchange, uh, with several of your uh, colleagues in regards to the upcoming season. And let's start with BYU. Um, Not a lot of high expectations for BYU this year. Is it because of... Uh, the schedule or because of the talent that BYU has returning this season?
1: Uh, I think it's, it starts with the schedule. Um, obviously, they do have a lot of question marks to answer, but so do most teams right now. But that's a pretty unforgiving uh, first month of the season. Obviously, Utah, Tennessee, USC, Washington, even that game at Toledo. Toledo is going to be one of the better teams, if not the best team in the MAC this season. So, um, I mean, it's just brutal. There's no other way to put it. So they could be a decent team, but I think that getting to 500 will be a challenge for this team.
2: Yeah, it may be fair, it may be unfair, but 5-7, and uh, Scotty and Stewart, I don't think Kalani Sataki survives that, do you?
1: I wouldn't think so. Not after the uh, uh, you know, he's been digging out of a hole from the, from two seasons ago. Obviously, they got a lot better last season, but if they take a step back and don't reach a bowl game, you know, I think that'll definitely be problematic, but Uh, you know as they this schedule is not set up to have obviously a dream season kind of year Um, but I do think I I think a bowl game is certainly attainable but it's definitely going to involve beating a couple teams it's certainly going to involve beating at least one or two of those power five teams in the first month
0: Stuart Mandel, kind enough to join us right here on 97.5 1280 the zone where are you on Utah are you drinking the uh, Utah Kool-Aid like a lot of other people are
1: I am. I'm just a little worried because it seems like everybody else is. I have yet to (laughs) see a uh, a set of preseason predictions that has somebody else winning the Pac-12 South. So to go from, you know, finally uh, reaching the title game last year to the unanimous pick this year makes you uh, a little nervous. I noticed that uh, on The Athletic, Chris Kamrani's mailbag today, Utah mailbag, two of the questions were about people worried that they might be – how are they handling being the favorite? You know, the high expectations for this season. But at least in terms of the football, uh, especially in that division, they appear to be the most complete team and in fact, um, you know, the team that I picked to win the Pac twelve.
2: By the way, Stuart, congratulations on hiring Chris Camarani. He is a major talent. I think you're gonna like his work.
1: We're thrilled to have Chris. Yeah, he's been yeah. going for about a month now doing great work.
2: Yeah. Uh This is a funny question to ask, but what the hell's wrong with USC? And will Urban Meyer end up coaching that team?
1: Well, you know, the problems at USC start at the very top. It's really been uh, just a comedy of errors by that administration. The last couple of years, they've been dealing with, you know, various scandals on the university front. But in terms of the athletics department, they hired a guy in Lin Swan who was not remotely qualified for the AD job. Uh, He was a little bit... um, saddled with the fact that his predecessor, Pat Hayden, gave Clay Helton a five-year guaranteed contract um, when he probably, you know, didn't need to. But then Lynn Swan made it even worse by giving him a big extension. So they kind of just stuck with him. Uh, and some people might, on the outside might say, well, wait a minute. He took him to a Rose Bowl win. He took him to the Pac-12 title. What's so bad about Clay Helton? But USC fans have the highest of expectations. They expect to be a national title contender. And they haven't even before last year. You know, they weren't at that level. Every time they would play an, um, an Ohio State in the bowl game or Alabama in Arlington, they would just get crushed. So, uh, they're, they, you know, this has probably gone a year on too long. I rarely can remember a coach who, it's not that he's coaching for his job, it's that everybody seems to have already fired him uh, and is just waiting for the, for the implosion to happen. But Urban Meyer... Um, it's going to be the storyline that hovers over this whole season because he's going to be there in L.A. every week on a set with Reggie Bush and Matt Leiner. You know, if Clay Helton gets off a rough start, the questions are going to start very early. And we just don't know if that's what he wants to do. I think he, uh, Urban is a guy who believes what he believes at that moment. And I'm sure he believes right now he's not going to go back to coaching because of the health issues. But we'll see if he still feels that way um, halfway through the season if he's tired of sitting behind a desk.
2: One of the problems at SC is is a question, right, raises a question that we often ask, and I wanted to ask you. They had a scrimmage the other day, and uh, they say that the freshman kid down there is the one that looked the best. Uh, how difficult is it in this day and age for a freshman to come in and make an impact? I know there have been examples of that around the country, but it, it doesn't happen all that often, does it?
1: With with quarterback or with any yeah, with any position? at quarterback, yeah. Well, I really think we've seen it start to turn in a lot just in the last few years. Uh, you know, over the years, if you were starting a true freshman quarterback, that wasn't necessarily a good thing. I mean, you didn't have a, any better options. But guys are just coming into college so better prepared than ever before. You know, obviously we saw a true freshman last year in Trevor Lawrence lead his team to the national title. Uh, Tua the year before obviously only played the second half of the title game, but he was a true freshman. And then Jake Fromm is a true freshman for Georgia a couple of years ago. Um, you know, I know North Carolina is probably going to be starting one this year, a couple other teams. So, you know, they just, they come into college better prepared than ever because of the train, of private uh, quarterback training and the Elite 11 circuit. Uh, and also just because the offenses are much more quarterback friendly than they used to be in college. Um, but you know, I think it's going to create some unfair expectations that everybody thinks their true freshman quarterback is going to be uh, is going to be another Trevor Lawrence. He's the exception. I really, you know, JT Daniels last year for SC really was more what you would expect of a true freshman, a talented true freshman quarterback. He had his moments. I remember, you know, they beat Washington. He beat Washington State. You know, he had a great performance in that game, and that kept them out of the playoff contention. But you know, in the end of the day, USC is five and seven.
0: Stuart Mandel, kind enough to join us from The Athletic. If you have not registered and uh, have your account with The Athletic, I highly suggest you do so. I'm happy to be a subscriber for a couple of years now and uh, love every second of it. Uh, you guys are doing some incredible work there. I want to talk a little bit about um, Utah State, uh, hanging with the uh, group of five in the Mountain West, but uh, Jordan Love's coming back for another season. What are your thoughts on uh, Gary Anderson returning to Logan and what this team can do this year?
1: Well, I'm very excited about Jordan Love. I definitely think he has a chance to be, uh, you know, one of the group of five stars this season. I've I've already seen his name pop up on lists of draft, you know, top draft quarterbacks for next year. Obviously it's an unusual situation though to have not just a coaching change, but to have Gary Anderson coming back. I really thought, as I think I talked to the guys about this a few months ago, that he was done as a head coach after the way things ended at Oregon State. Um, I know there was a lot of tension during that coaching search last year um, where a lot of very important people wanted nothing to do with him and a lot of very important people wanted to, to make sure it happened. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, obviously with Jordan Love, he has a chance, you know, starting with that game at Wake Forest to, um, to have a special kind of season, to, to frankly be in contention for that, you know, group of five uh, New Year's six birth. And if so, everybody's going to say they were geniuses for bringing him back.
2: Stuart, when we compare conferences, uh, a lot of people look at the fact that the Pac-12 hasn't had a team in the, in the playoff in a while, and the SEC gets a lot of attention in that regard, and Clemson has brought some of that, but... What do you make of what's going on in the Pac-12? Is is it that there is a lot of quality in the conference so that one team can't emerge uh, with a glistening record? Or do you think it is a true reflection that the Pac-12 is down?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been down the last couple of years, and it showed in, in non-conference and in bowl season. You know, two years ago, they only won one bowl game. Uh, Utah yeah. did. So I don't think it's a case of everybody knocking each other off. Now, You know, it is a little funny to me that uh, a decade ago when USC was dominating the Pac-12, everybody complained that it was a one-team conference. You know, now because you don't have a Clemson or Alabama or Ohio State in that conference right now, it reflects poorly on the whole conference because definitely, uh, I mean, look at the ACC. The ACC is no better than the Pac-12, if not worse as a whole, but they have the reigning national champion in their conference and and that, you know, kind of everybody benefits by, by association. So, um, I you know, on paper going into the season, it doesn't seem like they have that team either this year. And, you know, whether are talking about Washington or Utah or Oregon, uh, those all have a chance to win the conference, maybe sneak into the playoff. They don't seem like, um, you know, but they don't seem like obvious top five teams like you have, you know, earlier this decade. So as much as everybody is, Uh, And and believe me, if you look at the mailbag questions I get, the comments on our stories, there's a lot of self-loathing going on right now with Pac-12 fans. Like, they're never going to get out of this cycle. And I just want to say, guys, short memory here. I mean, it was was not that long ago that Marcus Mariota was playing in the national championship game, and and Oregon and Stanford would play these huge games where they're both in the top five or top ten. You know, I don't think it'll be long before they're back to that just because of the quality of coaches. in that conference right now is very strong.
0: When you look at uh, – well, let's go back last year this time. There were a lot of conversations about if the Pac-12 is going to get back on the national scene, Washington has got to beat Auburn in the opener. Well, Washington didn't. Auburn wasn't particularly great, and uh, and it kind of set the Pac-12 behind the eight ball. Similar situation this year, only it's Oregon playing Auburn. So with that said, how important is that game, not just for Oregon, but for the Pac-12?
1: Yeah, very important, much like last year. You know, this game's not getting quite as much hype as – I believe Washington and Auburn were both in the top ten last year. Uh, These are going to be more in the – well, the poll just came out. They're in the the teens. I think Auburn's 16th. But that being said, you know, the Pac-12 only gets so many chances to to play and beat a ranked SEC team uh, in a non-conference game. You know, uh, Stanford's playing Northwestern. I don't think Northwestern cracked the poll. but You know, they won their division last year. They play at UCF, and obviously – both them and SC play Notre Dame, you got to win some of those games uh, for the conference to get some respect and for the conference to bleed in the playoff race. You know, the hardest thing for the Pac-12 teams is the schedules they play. Uh, it's not, you know, I don't think it's any coincidence that the SEC and ACC have yet to miss the playoff, and they're the two that only play eight conference games. The Pac-12 plays nine, and most of their school schedule pretty ambitiously out of conference. So, you know, you got to win those games uh, because it's unrealistic. It's not very often uh, that a team goes undefeated in packs play.
2: Stewart, nobody covers college football more than you do. You've been all over this for a long, long time. So the question to you is the AP poll comes out and the usual suspects at the top. Is there enough variation at the top of college football to, peak, to keep your interest peaked? Do you think it would be helpful if there were newcomers, fresh blood that would come in more frequently than it does?
1: I think the, the, the problem right now is not that there's, you know, there are, it does seem like there's a small select number of teams that are dominating the sport, too, to be in particular. Um, and they're all in the same part of the country. So, when I, you know, if you look back at the history of college football, there's always been, whatever era you're in, uh, there's always two or three programs that were the dynasties of that time. But they were usually a little more spread out. Whether it's Florida State and Nebraska in the '90s, uh, you know, if you go back to the last decade, USC would have been considered one of them. You know, now to have all the reigning powers in the Southeast and you know the the, the playoff, uh, you know, if my field for this year has three Southeast teams in it: Clemson, Alabama, Georgia. You know, that's not great for fans in the Midwest, the and Texas and the West Coast. They feel like they're not part of the same sport. So. Uh, now, the sport is very popular. The TV ratings for the championship games have by no means been a disaster. Um, you know, there is still very strong interest. But, uh, you know, I thought when Ohio State won the first playoff that that was going to be a sign of things to come and, and it would feel like a more of a national sport. Because remember, that was not long after the SEC had won seven in a row. But here we are, It's you know, Alabama-Clemson seemingly every year, the number one and two again going into the season. I don't even think if Georgia won, which would be – you know, new blood and I think they could win the national title I don't know that that will feel much different because they're another SEC team uh, in that same part of the country
0: Stuart appreciate your time, thanks for joining us uh, enjoy the kickoff of the season later this week and I uh, look forward to catching up with you again here soon
1: Alright, thanks for having me
0: Stuart Mandel, uh, joining us from The Athletic, huge fan of his work huge fan of the work at The Athletic um, I don't get a free subscription I'm more than happy to pay for it uh, much like the Salt Lake Tribune, I think uh, good journalism is worth paying for, and uh, certainly The Athletic is one of them.
2: Yeah, he's been doing that for, I mean, it, prior to his time at The Athletic, he's just been doing this for a long, long time. It's always fun. We had him on, Austin. what was that? Just like three weeks ago, something like that? Was it longer ago than that? Oh, uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, so it's always good to have him uh, bring his insights.
0: So uh, a lot to get to uh, throughout the rest of the program. Roxy Bernstein, we hoping will join us coming up at 530.
2: Had a family. thing he had to get taken care of but hopefully he'll join us
0: and uh, we're looking forward to chat with him one of the best uh play-by-play voices out there i want to
2: ask him uh, if he has ever been tempted to say what the hell just happened
0: during a play-by-play uh, he's moment? way he's way more professional than that
2: well, that's not, you got
0: national acclaim for that i didn't i think i got nationally mocked no, for doing that no no scotty you're reading that wrong as i should by the way completely unprofessional <laughs> What? I don't think so. You hear, Gor- was, Gordon asked uh, Gregor Bell if he was going to use that line at some point. This oh, evening. did
2: you? It was it was the perfect. <laughs> did thing. you really drop Gregor? Uh, what was Gregor? Did, did I say that? Hmm, I think you remember that. But but here, <laughs> well, there's a few other words you could have uh, chosen that might have gotten you in real trouble. Yeah, yeah. But but for that moment, Scotty, we were watching that in the studio live, if I remember right. And when you said what you said, it was the perfect thing to say. Because nobody could believe what just took place.
0: What the hell just happened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never heard another play-by-play man say that. Say that phrase. It was, uh, I'm not going to lie, there was a certain level of frustration. Because you want to feel, because you feel like you're the eyes for your listening audience. And so with that comes a certain level of responsibility to know what the hell just happened. But you
2: But it was unbelievable what took place. Utah State going up against Colorado State in a game that they
0: had pretty much lost. Yeah, it was Colorado State had thrown the Hail Mary, the official signal touchdown, the celebration commenced, and then all of a sudden the officials came to midfield. There were some conversations. Then all of a sudden they announced that a kid stepped out of bounds before catching the ball, immediately making him ineligible. Game was over. Utah State had won. And I'm like... What the hell just happened?
2: Uh, with, uh, Austin, you need to play that at some point.
0: <laughs> and and I I'm mean, sorry I, I defamed you, Gordon. It was PK who recently asked Gregor oh, Bell if okay. he would say that. All right. you know? All right. All right. Did he really? I, you want to hear it? I got to hear it. Here. It's short. I would, I would it's like short to then. hear that.
2: Last thing for me before we let you go, Greg, who has the more talented play-by-play guy, BYU or Utah State? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, BYU's got the oldest of the two. How's that? All right. All right. Fair yeah. enough. That, that I know for sure. At least I think. Wow. It might maybe. I don't know. How old is Scotty?
2: Uh, uh, like 41, 42. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, but I'm man, way older. What yeah. happened? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Could you get away with saying what the hell just happened on a BYU broadcast?
2: <laughs> uh, I don't think I'd want to try and
0: find out what the outcome would be.
2: Oh, come on, Craig. You could say it.
0: It's in the Bible. I don't know if he could say that on the mother show. What the hell just happened? I think he'd get in a little bit of trouble. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: A little hellfire and damnation, you think? Yeah.
0: Moses would show up in the locker room, right? Moses would show up like, (laughs) thou shall not do that, Greg. Nope. All right. 524. I've known some people who are big-time
2: leaders in uh, a certain faith that uh, know how to sprinkle in a little... uh,
0: some expletives of- here and there. Yeah. Absolutely. It just won't do it on, uh, they just won't do it at conference. Again.
2: Uh, yeah. Utah State, Colorado State, that's kind of like conference. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is 97.5, 1280 the zone.